Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wilbur, and today we're digging into local marketing. I was lucky to have Damian Rollison, who is the Director of Market Insights at Sochi, on the show along with Melanie Tershak, who's the Director of Marketing over at Go Local. I was fortunate to spend some time in person with them at a conference hosted by Go Local back in October, and today they both put on an absolute masterclass for all things local search, social, and reputation. In this episode, you're going to hear about some of the most recent trends and tactics that are specific to multifamily that are happening in the space, along with some things you can do differently tomorrow to be a better marketer and have a positive impact on your portfolio and performance. This is a fun one, and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. I think it's really cool that both of you understand and know multifamily, but that your businesses and your personal experience dabbles much wider than multifamily. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a chance to meet both of you in person back in October at the uh, Go Local Multifamily Executive Summit. We all got to see Damien talk on all things local brand visibility. And Damien, I'd love to kind of just start with you, um, kind of walking through some of those key insights and recommendations. A lot of it comes from your data within the market insights team. Uh, and along the way, I think between me and Melanie, we're probably going to pick the heck out of your brain in terms of, you know, tactical tidbits that, you know, listeners, especially operators can walk away with to think differently about taking control of that local brand. So I'll kind of give you the floor and then kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. And feel free to interrupt, ask questions. And, you know, I, I'll try not to blather on for too long here, but just to kind of give you a flavor for what I covered in that uh, presentation, um, basically, as I was mentioning uh, a second ago, we produced a report, which I've kind of inherited uh, ownership, stewardship of, called the Localized Marketing uh, Benchmark Report. Um, This is going to be, next year will be the fifth uh, annual uh, edition of that report. And what it does is it uh, establishes benchmarks for performance within these three categories of activity that I mentioned before, search, social, and reputation. And uh, in order to create the report itself, we audited about 230,000 different uh, locations of uh, stores, multifamily communities, um, offices, whatever the category uh, might be, but uh, places of business, let's say. Uh, and then we looked at their Google profiles, their Yelp profiles, and their Facebook profiles. Um, you know, at, at Sochi, we have a listing management project, uh, a product and a social media management that covers a lot more sites than those three. So we, you know, we manage Instagram, we manage Apple Maps, you know, lots of other platforms, but we focus just on Google, Yelp, and Facebook because they're good representations of their category. Google itself, of course, gets the bulk of search traffic today. You know, estimates vary exactly how much, but let's say 80 or 90% of all of it. So they're a good stand-in for uh, when it comes to search and navigation. Yelp, of course, is kind of the gold standard for reviews. So they kind of represent, you know, the reputation side, although Google and Facebook certainly do as well. And then Facebook, although its uh, dominance may not last forever, and we certainly have, you know, up-and-comers like TikTok that we pay a lot of attention to lately, uh, Facebook is still 
globally the biggest social network by quite a large margin. And so, you know, if you're thinking about the must-haves with localized marketing, and I think this applies, you know, despite the existence of of the niche sites, you know, the apartments.coms of the world and so on, um, people turn to Google first and they turn to Facebook as well and, and Yelp for just about every need, right? And so we don't really distinguish between different types of vertical when we analyze uh, the uh, you know performance of uh, of businesses, we really stick to those three sites because that's where we know most consumers are going to turn for most of their needs. Um, so for each of the of the uh, locations we evaluate, uh, we look at about one hundred different measurements. You know, how often does your community appear in the Google three pack for your most competitive search term? Uh, how uh, many of your communities uh, under your management are actively claimed and managed on Google. How complete are your profiles? Um, how many reviews do you respond to? And when you're responding, do you do that in a timely fashion? We measure the average response time in terms of number of days. And we produced um, a follow-on report uh, this year, which uh, is actually the second year in a row that we've done this which specifically dove into property management companies. And we actually subdivided them this year for the first time into multifamily senior living and student housing. And we did an even deeper dive into those verticals to establish, you know, what are the different benchmarks as you move across those different uh, areas within property management uh, for those kinds of performance metrics. And so there's really a lot of data in there and I won't walk through all of it, but uh, you know, I'm, uh, for, for example, within multifamily, we found, I mentioned uh, percent of locations that show up in Google's three pack. We found that for multifamily, that benchmark percentage is about 11%. So what that tells you is, if you're measuring your own company's performance and you're below that benchmark, then you have some work to do to outperform your average competitor. If you're above the benchmark, you still may want to improve. You know, you'd rather be there 100% of the time, uh, but the benchmark tells you exactly where you stand in relation to the competition. And so we really, you know, kind of rinse and repeat that exercise across all of the things that we look at. We look at how often you're posting from your Facebook profiles, how big those audiences are at the local level uh, on Facebook. Uh, when you post, how much engagement do you generate on a regular basis? Um, one of the points of analysis that we introduced for the first time this year is that when you're posting on Facebook, what kind of content are you posting? We be, we began differentiating between posts that contain embedded photo content versus posts with embedded videos, um, which is pretty interesting. We've actually found that uh, video posts uh, generate about twice the engagement of photo posts. So being able to measure your level of, uh, you know, using utilizing those two content types is a way for us to drive recommendations when we talk to multifamily businesses. Hey, it looks like you're posting video content much less often than your average competitor. That's something you might want to do more of because it is so engaging. Um, so those are some highlights. And I, I could keep going, but maybe I'll just pause there and see if, if, if other people want to jump in um, on, on the points that I've raised. 
Um, yeah, I think uh, I was reviewing the presentation that you gave again, Damien, and I think it was really interesting to me, particularly with uh, multifamily, the multifamily scores. Um, the lowest score that they had out of all of the, the social reputation and search search was low and it was really low. Um, mm-hmm. Even like, like social seems to be doing really well, which is um, great. Like it seems like multifamily companies, um, senior living, even the, the student housing doing a lot better on um, social than they were even um, where a search was, was substantially lower, which I just thought was really interesting since that's where, like you mentioned, most people turn to Google, they turn to search first outside of that. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, as far as the high-level results are concerned, for multifamily, the highest score was for reputation, followed by social, and search did come in third. That's definitely true. Um, multifamily seems to be doing a pretty reasonable job of paying attention when people leave reviews on their search and social profiles. Uh, that seems to be something that's really kind of sunk in. Um, but basic concepts around search optimization are maybe a little bit less well understood. It's also fair to say, though, that we're talking about a very highly competitive industry, right? So, you know, I often say that, you know, the um, if you're uh, a restaurant, for example, we talk to so many different kinds of industries, then, uh, you know, you want to you want to hold yourself to a different standard when it comes to competing in search, because there are so many people trying to compete with you. And it's actually pretty similar for a multifamily. You know, it's probably one of the more numerous types of quote unquote businesses in any community. And uh, therefore, you know, there are a lot of uh, uh, people who are going to potentially crowd you out. But you know, so that's why, you know, you look at that performance level of 11% in the in the local pack. Um, we see in some industries, the benchmarks are much, much higher, you know, 50% or more. Um, but you don't really need to worry about those other industries. What you need to worry about is getting to 12%, getting to 20%, right? Um, through, you know, creative strategic improvements, through utilizing all of the opportunities that you have to allow people to do things like booking virtual appointments and, you know, all of the tools and features that Google and other sites make available. If you're doing those things and your competitors aren't, then you will begin to edge them out. And that's what we really try to highlight. For sure. I think uh, that was actually one of the things too. It's almost like an exciting thing for me as like a search marketer for multifamily, because that also um, shows that there's a lot of opportunity. Like if the market is here, then we can get our clients way up here. And and we're actually able to um, help them see results. I think one of the things that I working in all the other industries that we work in, multifamily is the one where when we're looking at search specifically, um, the listing sites like apartments.com, those dominate the search results um, more than any other industry. Um, it's really hard for individual properties to be able to rank organically in like the standard links. And so that map pack, those three results that show up on the search results page are gold. And so that's what we work a lot every day. We have a team at Go Local that's dedicated to managing Google business profiles. Um, and so I think it's really exciting for us to see, like, if we can get our clients and get all of their Google listings optimized, that we have their website and search optimized, that there's a little lot of really awesome opportunity for them to show up in those spots since the industry seems to be a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. 
One one of the things that's been really interesting for me is that I'm actually kind of newer to multifamily as opposed to some of the other verticals that I've worked in for for many years now. Um, Soshi had a real, you know, strength in multifamily clientele, and my my prior company, frankly, did not. And so when I came in to Soshi last year. I felt like I had to like learn a bunch of terminology quickly to be able to kind of speak the language of multifamily, remember to say things like residents and communities and so on, you know, leases as opposed to, you know, conversions. Um, that kind of thing was a learning experience. But more and more, what I discovered is that the verticals are not that different from each other. And I actually ended up kind of turning things around uh, the other direction when I would speak to multifamily audiences and I say things like, you know, the expectations that consumers have developed over the years in interacting on digital platforms with other verticals like restaurants who are, you know, arguably a lot further ahead in their digital marketing sophistication just because they've had to be. Um, those expectations don't go away when people are searching for a new apartment. They are ingrained in us, right? Even more so uh, as a result of the pandemic where digital usage overall supposedly went up by about 20%, you know, not, not a uh, massive amount because it was already so high, but we are really using digital tools for every kind of need right now. And we're not wanting to necessarily use, you know, six different apps, depending on what we happen to be searching for. We're going to turn to Google first, right? And so, you know, you really do need to be thinking in the same kind of way as a restaurant marketer, which is cool because you can learn from them. And if you're the ones paying attention to what the more, you know, advanced sectors have been doing for a while uh, and your competition is not attentive in that way, then you've got, like you say, Melanie, tons of very interesting opportunities that you know that you can take advantage of and uh so it is it is a i think a fun space to be in um but that's not to say it's in, in completely the same there are definitely some you know nuances i i know um uh one that we encountered in speaking to a multifamily uh company that we were uh, running an audit report for was uh, that they were not as active on Facebook as the benchmarks indicated that they should be. And they objected to our observation and they said, well, we don't need to be posting on our Facebook pages for the communities where we don't have any uh, occupant, where, where there's no uh, um, uh, available uh, apartments, right? Because we're, we're full up. Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to uh, generate new, uh, new leases. And, uh, you know, that sounds good at first, but then you think about, well, what about next year? What about the uh, the fact that you haven't been actively building that community on an ongoing basis to build loyalty and retention and when you need it to be able to generate those the interest uh, from new renters, right? So that those, you do need to, you know, adjust people's attitudes in some cases, but really what you're doing, ultimately the practice of, uh, marketing on social and search is uh, it ends up being very similar. You know, the, the distinctions, once you get to that level of performance, they, they start to kind of go away and people are all kind of doing the, the same types of things. Damien, I'd love to 
maybe like set the table on a couple of the things you both have talked about. You've both said three pack a couple times. And are you referring yeah. to the top three search results on maps specifically or local search in general when someone's using near me or any of those indicators? I, I'd love some like definition for people that are listening. The, do you mind, Melanie, if I, I no, sort of freak out on this stuff? So people, the, the terminology is, is not real well known to most consumers, but within the local SEO world, we make a few distinctions between different kinds of interfaces that, re, that present local results in different ways. Um, Google calls them surfaces. So Google, for Google, a surface would be desktop search, for example. You know, when I go to my laptop or desktop computer and I type in google.com and I search for something and I see a result, that's what that surface is called. When I'm conducting that type of a search and Google infers that my search has what's called local intent, which means I'm searching for a coffee shop near me or something along those lines, um, often, uh, Google will show me something called the three pack as part of those search results. It's a, and everybody knows what this looks like. And in fact, it's even more prominent now than it used to be because many of the results show up right at the top of the page, full width on the screen now where they used to be uh, a little more compact. It's the map with three listings that is kind of, you know, set apart from the rest of the page. That's what we call the three pack. It's also often called the local pack. And then if you, you always have the option to click the button at the bottom, which usually says more places. And then you're taken to another interface screen, which is called the local finder, still within the search interface. And then Google Maps is, is another thing. You can get to Google Maps from your browser by clicking on the Maps tab. It shows you local results too, but they look a little bit different. And then Google Maps, of course, is an app that lives on your phone. And those two things are kind of related to each other. The Maps tab on the browser versus the app on your phone. Conversely, you can also search on your phone, as many people actually do first in preference to doing it on the desktop. And then you've got your mobile search interface or, again, surface, as Google calls it. So there's really four subdivisions. There's mobile search, mobile maps, desktop search, desktop maps. What we're talking about right now is the search side. That's where the three-pack comes in. But we really kind of talk about that as a shorthand for all of those instances, because no matter where somebody's searching, you want to be ranked at the top. And if you're ranked in the first three, your uh, our research at Sochi shows that you're going to gen generate 126% more traffic and 93% more uh, conversion-oriented actions like phone calls, website clicks, and requests for directions than if you're ranked further down. So that top rank position is really uh, pretty critical. Cool. That's super helpful. Melanie, I think I cut you off. You're about to like say something awesome or ask something awesome to Damien before I jumped into that clarifying question. So I want to see if you have anything left. Oh, I do not remember at all. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. No, it's all good. Hey, I'd, I'd love to shift gears a little bit and we'll kind of keep the conversation rolling, but I'd love to move into 
like recommendations or just like advice? Like you've talked about a couple tactical things today, uh, the importance of review response time and just like things like that. So maybe shifting gears from kind of what the study says matters and like what specifically people should be thinking about doing in order to regain control or move, you know, move above that 11%. So whether we start with that review response time, which is one of the metrics or just maybe a, a different thread, I'd love to talk through, you know, actionable advice, write down moments for people that are listening. Uh, yeah, I can hop in. Uh, Damien, I can cover maybe like the search pieces since that's where my expertise is a little bit more in. If you want to then cover the reputation and social pieces. Yeah, no problem. Cool. Uh, so I would say on the search piece. So when we're talking about search again, we're talking about those, this, the search that map pack that we were just talking about that three pack. Um, and what we definitely recommend doing is making sure that that Google business profile page is built out as big as humanly possible. So um, setting up all the categories. So um, everybody has one main category. It's like multifamily, but there's also additional categories that you can set that also make sense. Um, so making sure that you have every category that makes sense for your business um, set in that is really important. Um, having really awesome photos that people um, enjoy looking at. Uh, having uh, Google products actually on your Google business profile. Google products is a different uh, piece. If you go to your Google business profile, you can have an option to add products for multifamily. We recommend adding in floor plans. So we'll have an actual a one bedroom product and you can uh, write out a description about your one bedrooms. And um, there's a Q&A section there, making sure that if people are asking questions that you're answering them. Um, and then also, obviously, the review piece, making sure that you're responding to those. Uh, and then the business description, the business description, we always recommend making sure that it's not just a blanketed business description for every location, but that they are localized, that you have good local keywords in those descriptions, um, and that they're uh, useful to users who are actually wanting to know more about your business. And it's not just, hey, we're an apartment company in Kansas City. Um I think that's really, really, really important. Um, the other piece that outside of the Google business profile itself, making sure that the landing page that whenever you click website, the website that it goes to, which is typically going to be either the homepage of the website of that location, or um, if it's a location page specifically uh, for that property, making sure that that is really SEO friendly. So uh, because that actually also can impact uh, that. And so having uh, standard SEO best practices put in place, but also having really good content. So uh, we always say that you want to try to make that page as authoritative as possible in the market that you're in. So creating content that is about the location, the neighborhoods, what the um apartment offers, amenities, all that kind of really great content um, that's going to make sure that Google understands that you're an authority in that space and in apartments is going to be really, really impactful and also helping boost your scores in the map pack as well. And so that's what we do. Um, and we've seen some really great results whenever we've taken over a, a not so great profile and revamped and revamped the landing pages. Um, and seen uh, really awesome results and not only visibility, but more actions and website visits and phone calls and all of those things taken from that. That's awesome. Super helpful. I'm, I'm curious when you look at kind of the search side and some of the things you just recommended, 
Are there specific aspects that you tend to see missing when you talk to, you know, future customers, whether it's the author- authoritative nature of their website or an incomplete uh, Google My Business profile, which is something Damien had mentioned early on? I'd wonder if there's like a common thread of gaps that you tend to see when you're you're consulting with customers out there. Yeah, um, I would say definitely um, it's for some reason, we never really see people responding to Q and A's. So people will be asking questions and you'll see other people will actually answer for them and it's wrong. Um, And so, and that happens a lot. And so it's very like, for some reason, people just aren't monitoring those Q and A's at all. Um, They're monitoring the reviews and they're responding to reviews, but the Q and A section is a different spot. And so I think a lot of uh, people who are managing that just don't notice the, that Q&A section. So I think that's definitely a missed piece. Uh, and then the other side of that, I would say the products piece, I think, because it is kind of newer and I think people aren't quite sure what to put there. And so uh, there are not a lot of people are utilizing those yet today. Um, I didn't men- mention Google Post, uh, but Google Post would also be really helpful um, as well. Um, and so like Google posts are where they look like basically social media posts on, um, on the listing itself that you can have an image and a message and that kind of thing on there. Um, and then the other one being the landing page content. I think a lot of people don't really take into consideration that the page that you link to on that Google business profile, um, is as important as it is. Um, and so we definitely see a lot of gaps in content on those pages as well. That's super helpful. Um, Damien, would love to shift gears into some of the things you're seeing on reputation as well as social. Uh, Yeah, let me just start by kind of underlining what Melanie was just saying. So in terms of responding to Google Q&A, our data shows that for multifamily, that's only happening about 23% of the time where somebody asks a question on Google and the, the community, you know, whoever's managing that profile actually answers the question. Whereas when it comes to responding to reviews on Google, uh, the, the community does respond about 62% of the time. So that number is obviously much higher. However, 62% is not 100%. So, you know, there's still some room for uh, improvement for most most multifamily or for the average multifamily company when it comes to responding to those reviews. That's probably priority one for most companies that you have an effective review response strategy that responds not only on Google, but also Yelp and Facebook and the apartment specific sites and does so in a timely fashion and a timely means within 48 hours, really that should be the maximum response time. And a lot of uh, you know uh, businesses are not responding that quickly. In fact, our average response time on Google is 45 days for multifamily right now. So that's, you know, that really does need to be improved. There's an expectation that the if the business is going to respond, they're going to respond basically right away, you know, at the speed of social, we like to say. And if you don't do that response within a couple of days, people may not ever check back and see it, you know, or they may not be remember that they wrote the review even. Um, and so it's going to have, it's going to be less effective. In fact, Yelp has a, stat which uh, says that if the uh, business responds effectively to a review within 24 hours, a negative review, 
that the reviewer is um, much more likely to upgrade the rating to go back and re-edit the review and upgrade its rating than if you wait longer. So that timeliness is really uh, an, an important factor. Um, a lot of com- a lot of companies ask about um, review solicitation about asking for reviews. Uh, that's fine. It's a it's a it's a it's an okay practice as as long as you don't do it for Yelp, which forbids it. Even though lots of companies ignore that uh, rule and some get punished for it, uh, but you shouldn't do that for Yelp. But for Google and Facebook, it is okay. You do want to make sure though that you're not doing what's called review gating. Uh, so you should not um, selectively only ask happy customers to leave you a review, or you shouldn't do things like sending out a survey and then only asking the ones who respond positively to the survey to please leave you a review on Google. That's considered what's called gating, and the FTC is getting involved in punishing companies for doing that these days. So you definitely don't want to walk down that road. Um when it comes to, and I guess the last thing I'll say about reputation is you, you, you should also read your reviews because they represent feedback about your communities that you should be learning from, not just responding to because it's good for marketing, right? Um, ideally, reviews create a feedback loop where people are telling you things that need to be improved about your customer support, about your amenities, about every aspect of your business that you can then feed into operational improvements where they're practical, where you find enough people are complaining about the same thing, which in turn are going to lead to better reviews in the future. I mean, that's hard work, but that's reality. That's one of the main reasons why reviews are valuable to businesses. Um, and then when it comes to uh, to social, uh, you know, I, I think community building is really the keynote. That's really what social platforms are best at when it comes to multifamily, giving people a sense that they belong to a community, that the community is there, that, you know, the people in charge are there responding to their needs, um, providing helpful content. You shouldn't just be posting about promotional stuff on Facebook and elsewhere. You should be uh, posting content that is um, about getting the most out of living where they live, right? Uh, About solving common, you know, household uh, problems, you know, about, you know, you know, cleaning your cleaning a, a, a wine spill on a rug or something like that. Anything you can think of that actually provides um, you know, useful information uh, to the community is going to help to endear you and, and you know, make you feel like, uh, make people feel like they really belong. Uh, that's obviously important. But then, you know, from a tactical perspective as well, like I mentioned, you know, we want people to be using the, uh, utilizing the kinds of content that work really well. Um, video is really the, you know, the lead content type in terms of engagement right now. So, you know, utilizing that more often, um, the other, the other big thing, I guess I'll mention as the last point is that, uh, many companies of all kinds, uh, feel that they can, um, post on Facebook at the local level, um, and kind of get away with a very simple method of doing that, which we call waterfalling. And what that means is if you have a corporate entity that has its own Facebook page, 
um, you know, the, the the property management company, for example. And then each community page is linked to that corporate page. You can create a post and then it shows up on every uh, of those what, what are called child pages. Um, that's an easy way to get content out to a lot of places very quickly, but it doesn't produce engagement at the local level. Every reaction, every comment, every share gets aggregated back to the corporate parent, uh, and it does not count in favor of that individual community. So although it, it it's harder to do this on your own, luckily with platforms like ours, because we're integrated with the Facebook API, we can actually help you to post locally to every community page through the same kind of simple workflow uh, as you would do on Facebook with waterfall posting. But each of those posts would be individualized to that community with the name of the community, its individual differentiating details. And that's really going to be the best way to build engagement at that local level. You want that um, content to be um, personal and specific to that community. So that's that's also very important. We, we use Sochi to do that for our clients, and it's very nice. <laughs> All right, hands in the air. There we go. Um, it makes it very easy. It's wonderful. <laughs> very good. Glad that to hear was, it. That was really fascinating. And before we, we wrap, I want to just end with kind of a, a little bit of a, not curveball, but kind of an on-the-spot question for each of you. Uh, I'm definitely going to link to that localized uh, marketing bench, benchmark report. So I'll put that in the show notes and in my newsletter. Um, but Melanie, starting with you, then Damon, we can wrap with you. Is there a resource you'd recommend for people that want to get smarter when it comes to marketing, tactical relevance in this field? I mean, we just talked about like, what feels like to me PhD level stuff, but probably it's like elementary school. Um, I'd love to hear whether it's a podcast or a newsletter or a resource you'd recommend, Melanie, that people can can lean on to just kind of remain relevant and and continually learning about all this stuff. Yeah, that's a great question. So we use a lot. I mean, we follow a lot of publications to learn more. I personally really like like Search Engine Journal um, that has a lot of really awesome news. Um, however, Moz actually has um, a really awesome website. They ha Moz has a ton of really awesome resources that will explain like every aspect of SEO, um, which is really awesome. And so I definitely recommend that website to use as um, a resource to just read, like, what is a title tag? What is a meta description? Uh, what are top tips for SEO? That kind of stuff is really um, useful. Um, and then Search Engine Journal, we like to use more of like, it's better for like up and coming things that are happening. So if you want to know if a new Google algorithm was coming out or what's happening today in search engine. I feel like that one is a little bit more, it's a better for like, you know, like what is happening today versus I would say, um, uh, Moz is better for like learning the basics of SEO. Cool. That's helpful. Damien, any, uh, that are top of mind for you? Yeah, I would definitely echo the ones that Melody, Melody mentioned. Those are all good resources. Um, if it's not too self-serving, uh, I, I, I feel like I should mention that we have a lot of content in the form of guides and white papers and so on on our website. So if you go to uh, meetsoshi.com and hit the resources tab, there's a page called insights that is going to have uh, lots and lots of guide type content. 
Uh, I just pulled it up myself. We've got the top 10 local search strategies for property management marketers as a recent publication that we've done. So there's quite a bit of stuff that relates specifically to property management. Um, A lot of the stuff that Melanie was talking about and that I was covering when it came to, you know, tactical recommendations in search, social and reputation these guides go into those details much more deeply and thoroughly and really walk you through the process uh, in a way that I think uh, can be very helpful. Um, Search Engine Journal is a great resource. I also read, uh, you know, Search Engine Land and other similar publications. One thing that I do in my role every week is I produce a um, blog post called The Local Memo, which is a roundup of all of the news that's relevant in the areas that we focus on. Uh, what's the latest from Google Maps and what is Facebook doing and so on. Also trying to contextualize and make sense of that, you know, information so it can be, you know, uh, you can actually put the your, the news to use uh, for you. Uh, and that also comes out um, as a podcast. So you can subscribe to the uh, to the blog series Uh, or to the podcast on just about any podcast network. Um, I think that, you know, whether you use my resource or or, or somebody else's, um, there's a a Mike Blumenthal does a series called Last Week in Local that comes out as a podcast as well, which is also very good. Um, uh, It's really important to note that if you're going to be serious about localized marketing, local SEO, you have to keep up with what's happening on a weekly basis, uh, ideally, because the change really does happen at that pace. So, you know, one of the biggest competitive advantages that you're going to have is to get out in front of others when Google or another site releases a new feature or creates a new opportunity for you. And if you don't know about it, it's going to be the other guy who takes advantage of it first. And so being aware of what's happening in in terms of new developments, I think is a really uh, important recommendation. And remind me the name of that blog slash um, podcast that you're producing. It's called the local memo, the local memo. Okay. I'm just taking notes of the things that I'll make sure I round that up uh, right after this. You are both awesome. Thank you for joining me. I think this is going to be a fun one. And uh, I'll include your LinkedIn's on the promotion to make sure people know how to find you as well. But thank you both both for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Melanie. Yeah.